You're listening to Moody Radio 89.3. This is Mornings with Eric and Bridget. Well, nearly half of all adolescents have suffered a mental health disorder at some point in their lives, and that number continues to increase. So with this knowledge, how do we come alongside teens in our life as they work through these struggles? Well, tomorrow is World Teen Health Mental Health Day, and we're talking with Dr. Joni DiBrito of Focus on the Family about that. Joni, good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Thanks so much for having me on your show. Yeah, this this seems crazy to me. The growing epidemic over the past several years with 49.5% being affected. What does that actually mean? What are they being what what do we're saying they're affected mental with their mental health issues? What does that mean for what's the scope of this, I guess? Well, it means that we have teens that have been diagnosed with mental health issues. It could be depression, anxiety, PTSD, OCD, different things. And actually, there's a, an upside to this, and that is that, as you know, mental health has been something that people have started discussing much more. And so we are actually having some success at releasing the stigma of talking about mental health. So there are more teens who are uh, going to get help and therefore more teens being diagnosed. So I think there's no question that we do have uh, people suffering and suffering in greater numbers for sure than many years ago. The numbers have been on the rise for many years, but some of it does have to do with the fact that people, instead of suffering alone at home, are actually reaching out and trying to get help, and therefore the numbers are higher. What might be some of the other causes? Because when you look at the way the numbers are growing, are there some environmental triggers to this to this problem? Well, there certainly are. I mean, first of all, we have to remember that we all went through a pandemic and the pandemic was hard on everyone and definitely very hard on this age group because there are so many things that kids look forward to uh, as they become teenagers that they were not able to experience, whether it be being able to graduate with their classmates or go to prom or those kinds of things, date, uh, the things that you kind of wait for until you get to be a teenager, and many of them were not able to experience those things. And also, there were many... um, problems in in the family. There were family members that lost their jobs and people who lost their homes because parents lost their jobs and that sort of thing. So there's still a lot of fallout from the, um, the pandemic and all of the things that we were affected by. But then in addition to that, we know, and, and we have talked about this many, many times before when we've talked about mental health issues, that we know that social media is a huge contributor to issues of mental health for teens, partly because there is the issue of cyberbullying, that kind of thing that happens, um, that can happen now 24-7. But also, it's a place where um, people talk and they are exposed to so many things that are scary and disruptive in their lives and so forth on social media. So our teenagers today have this impression that the world is a really scary place and also that there isn't a lot of hope. And so that contributes also to their anxiety and depression, which are the two things at the top that kind of trade places for one and two. Sometimes we have more kids uh, struggling with depression, sometimes with anxiety. It seems like anxiety is beating depression right now. 
as we were getting ready for this interview, one of the things I thought of, we we also lie to our teens a lot. You can be anything you want to be. You can, you know, there's certain things or phrases that we say that mm-hmm. that lie to our teens. Um, yeah, there there's a little bit of a fact that you can strive to become better or you can work mm-hmm. to this or that. But to the same thing, you can't be everything. That's just not humanly possible. But we say, you know, these cute little phrases. And if they believe some of these things, that can really be detrimental, can it? It can be very, very detrimental. And the issue there is, of course, we want to encourage our kids to be the best that they can be. But you're correct. It is not true that you can be anything that you want to be. Um, Not everyone who plays peewee football is going to end up in the NFL. Not everyone who uh, decides to write a little song when he or she is, uh, you know, a young child is going to end up to be a, a songwriter or a musician. Not everyone who has a desire to be an astronaut has the intelligence to be able to be an astronaut or even the physical stamina to be able to handle what astronauts have to do. um, There are plenty of things that, that we cannot do. I have limitations, you have limitations, and so do our children. So we certainly want to encourage them to follow the gifts that God has given them, but um, there are lots of things that are encouraged in kids that some kids just don't have the either the, the intelligence or the talent to do or, or even the motivation to do. And the other thing that I would say that is a huge issue is that there's way too much of coddling children and not allowing them to fail. You know, I bet if you thought back about your life, you would think, as most people do, I really learned more from my failures than I learned from my successes. And it's not only that you learn more about yourself, but the other thing is you learn how to cope. And a lot of our teens these days don't have good coping skills. They expect everything, probably because of some of what you were just you know, questioning this idea of I can be anything. They have these very high expectations and they're expecting everything to be so wonderful in their lives. And when normal things happen to them that cause them to struggle, they get much more upset and tend to get much more depressed and anxious than if they were allowed to uh, to fail and to get the message that, hey, this is part of life. And so the other part of life is we figure out how to get through things that are difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had the opportunity to speak to a group of young people in this age group. And before leading up to that, I was thinking, what did I need to know? What did I need to hear when I was in middle school, when I was in high school to, you know, overcome some trials and tribulations? And mm-hmm. I think understanding our true identity and our worth and where that is to be placed is so key because in especially in this day and age, but I think it's always been, you know, we find it in our friends or we find it if we're in the cool group or we find it if we're accepted or if we're on the sports team. And I think we're forgetting or not understanding truly, and I know it's a lifelong lesson, of understanding where our true worth is. Don't you, isn't that key to addressing some of these issues? It definitely is, and more now than ever, kids are so confused about their identity because there's just so much in our culture that is pushing them to um, to believe things about themselves that certainly are very different from what we as Christians know in terms of how God made us and what God made us to do 
to do and what God made us to be. We really have to find our identity in Christ as opposed to our identity in certain uh, groups or certain uh, labels or what have you. And it is very confusing for kids. Um, One of the difficult things is that we have a lot of vocal groups out there that are giving kids information that just is really contrary to what we know to be the truth. And so as parents, grandparents, friends, other people involved in kids' lives, we really have to help them by uh, identifying their strengths and helping them recognize where they are and also helping them to really understand uh, how God made us and what God made us to be and uh, what we have, um, all of the wonderful things that we have to offer just from how God made us to be so unique. And I think that's really important to help kids understand, hey, you are amazing and valuable because you are unique. There's no one else in the world like you. What what did God possibly make you to do? What can you be excited about? And to try to really draw them back to that. You know, as parents, we need to build a support staff to help us through these years with our teens. Um, One of the people I think that we kind of neglect and we have to do a better job of vetting is the our pediatricians, our, our family doctors. They can really be one of the key helpers in this whole area because they can see things that we can't see from a a physical standpoint that really could be hampering a mental uh, problem. I mean, but we need to make sure that they're on the same side of the, of the team as we're, we're talking about. Don't don't, uh, they're, they're really important is what I'm saying. Yes, they are. And it is really important to choose those people who align with your, your values and so forth, but you are so right. We need help. And I am just such an advocate of uh, being involved enough in kids' lives that you recognize those people who really want to encourage the best health in your children. So whether that be pediatricians or teachers or coaches or pastors or whomever, I know when my children were teens, there would be times when um, I could tell that they weren't able to hear what I was saying for whatever reason. And so I would encourage them to talk to people that I trusted to provide some good counsel for them, some wise counsel. And I remember one uh, situation with uh, one of my daughters who had asked me a question and I, and I talked to her and I gave her, you know, my opinion and my thoughts and I backed it up with, you know, some good information and so forth. And she was very respectful. I didn't see her, you know, you're crazy mom. She didn't say anything like that, but I could say, you know, she probably needs a little bit more. I need a little help more, (laughs) more help here. And so I said, you know, why don't you go talk to so-and-so? It was the uh, mother of uh, one of her really good friends that I really trusted. And she was a high school teacher. And she said exactly the same thing that I did, but she told her a story in a very, she explained it in a different way. And my daughter came home and said, oh, wow, this is what she said. And I thought, oh, praise God, (laughs) because that's exactly what I was saying. But for whatever reason, the way she said it was able to get through to my daughter. And I was not offended. It wasn't like, oh gosh, I'm hurt because my daughter listened to her instead of me. I thought, hey, God, whatever resources you use, I'm happy to take them. And when do we know when we need to reach out for those resources, maybe even professionally? 
I would say when you see patterns that indicate major changes in your children. So one of them would be if they are not able to eat or not able to sleep. Those are um, things that we look for in terms of indicating depression, anxiety, and so forth. Or if they're eating a lot, if they've lost a great amount of weight or they've gained a great amount of weight. If they're not able to go to school or they're missing a lot of days of school. If they are not uh, being a part of a social group, you know, kids don't have to be uh, the most popular kid in the school to have wonderful self-esteem and, and a good life and so forth. But they do need to have some uh, contact with friends and friendships and so forth. So if you notice that you have a child that used to have a group of friends or maybe just one or two good friends, and now that child is isolating alone, especially if they're isolating and being on social media, that tends to be not so good. If they uh, have started using drugs or alcohol or you know that they were mildly using drugs or alcohol originally and now it seems to have really ramped up, that's concerning. If you notice a lot of anger, a lot of angry outbursts, that kind of thing, or if you notice a lot of crying and um, just not able to regulate their emotions in the way that they should be by the time they get to be a teenager. How important is it the word no for a parent as they go through these years with their student or their child? I'll tell you what, you guys are asking the best questions. These are so great. You can tell that you've had some experience yourself. (laughs) Just a few years. (laughs) No is a really important thing. And that goes back to this idea of, you know, coddling kids and telling them you can be anything. We do need to encourage our kids, but they also need limits and boundaries. And there are times when you just have to say, no, this is not okay. And a lot of that has to do with, prior to saying no, establishing some guidelines and saying, you know, here are the things that we can't tolerate. And if this happens, these are going to be the consequences. On the other hand, there are also great rewards for doing things according to what we've established as appropriate guidelines. So if you do this well, there will be some rewards. We need to remember that, that we need to say no, but we also need to say yes and be encouraging to our kids. Very quick story here. My daughter once, uh, when she was um, probably 17 years old, this is a great no story, Um, she was going to go out with some boys in the neighborhood that um, had been good friends up to that point. And they drove up and we heard them screech to a halt in the front of our house. And I looked out and I saw one of them on top of the cab of a, a pickup truck like he was surfing. And the other one came to the door, rang the doorbell with an open beer bottle in his hand. And now I had never experienced these boys to be this way. But I opened the door and I said hello. And he said, hi, Joni, we're here to pick up uh, Jessica is her name. And I said, oh, just a moment. And I closed the door and I just said, you will not be going out with these boys to my daughter. And she did you add ever, ever? (laughs) No, I said, I said, he just came to the door with a open beer bottle and his friend is on the top of the cab. Now, number one, they were underage. And number two, if they've been 25 still, you know, 
it's just <laughs> you don't you don't uh, surf on the top of a cab. I don't care what age you are. So the, it was the funniest thing because she sat down and initially she was like, "You guys are so strict. You won't let me do anything," which is not true. We were right in the middle. We were not overly strict and we were not overly lenient. And then we just listened. We did not say a word. We just listened. And then by the time she got to the end, she said, "And you know what makes me so mad?" And and we said, what? She goes, because I know you're right. I shouldn't go on with them. <laughs> oh, but you know what? Our Heavenly Father tells us no, because there's a better yes. And I think that's yes. what our students, our, our children need to learn. Yes, that's absolutely true. <laughs> they need to understand that we have, you know, the, the guidelines that were put down for us, the Ten Commandments and many other things that we are told in the Bible in various places were put down because God loves us and it's for our own good because those things that we are told not to do are things that lead to destruction in our lives and lead to a lot of hurt and pain. So it's out of love that our Heavenly Father has set those guidelines for us and we need to help our kids understand that's why we're setting guidelines for them as well. It's not to be punitive. It's for their safety. It's for their health. It's for, as we talked about before, their identity. It's for them to really understand this is what is going to help you live a, a, a rich, fulfilling, and hopeful life. And we can come alongside them, especially in their seasons of, you know, maybe just not being sure of life, of who they are, maybe even some mental health challenges there. And the uh, Life to Thrive is a part of Focus on the Family. We've got some great resources to help you come alongside your struggling teen. We've got a link to them at ericandbridget.org. All right, Joni, thank you for your time this morning. Mm-hmm. Such helpful information. Appreciate it. You're so welcome. Did you guys want that uh, number for free consultation again? Would that be helpful? Yes, yes, please. Okay. So Focus on the Family has licensed counselors and and, uh, pastoral counselors available to provide consultation for anyone who calls free of charge. The number is 855-771-4357, and that number is available on any non-holiday Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. A person would call, give that number to a representative, and uh, sorry, give their contact information and their telephone number to a representative, and um, a uh, either a licensed counselor or a pastoral counselor will call back within 48 hours with any information and to answer any questions that anybody would have of a counselor. All right, we wrote that down, but can you give it one more time? Sure. Eight five five. Seven seven one four three five seven, which is eight five five seven seven one. Help. 